0: Pod YouTube page. What? The CT5s on the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. You can look at all of us. You can get all the OG pods on YouTube too. At Count the Dings One on YouTube. At Citaphope Pod on YouTube. Patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed. You can link it to your Spotify. And now enjoy the show. Hey listener, Zach Harper here, Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, Fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works the pick 'em game. one 800 next step that's 1-800-639-8783. or text next step to 53342 new york call the 24/7 hope line at 18778hope and y or text hope and y 467369
2: this episode is brought to you by shopify
3: forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with
2: Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period
3: at shopify.com/tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com/tech.
4: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you.
6: Welcome ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a, the latest edition of Woke Bros, I'm your co-host Wazi Lambre, aka Big Waz aka clearly your favorite Haitian, <laughs> as always alongside me is my partner, my comrade, fellow dirty commie scum, Michael Jamal Abdul, Shabazz Brooks, what's good Mike?
2: Wakwa, my friends, how you doing? Aloha, Good to Aloha, be here, indeed, brother. Mm-hmm.
6: Um, before we get into the things, man, you know, on today's show, we're gonna talk about Mike Pence running his yap <laughs> very cynically about the W. The, excuse me, the NBA the and w- China. NBA. <laughs> that that would be actually of uh, Mike Pence's um. Yeah, we'll be about,
2: having a lot of thoughts on something like that.
6: The NBA's relationship with China. Uh, one of the Saudi royals went up, went up to D.C. for a little forum as Saudi, as people don't, don't, not a lot of people realize this, but Saudi Arabia is one of the hugest lobbying entities in D.C. And so, you know, one of the crown princes was in D.C. and, you know, he had a little banquet and he had a little tongue lashing for the hypocritical Congress critters um, down there in D.C. We're going to get into that. Um, there's a lot going on in Chile. Uh, you know, we like to try to get into global affairs every now and again on this show. And, you know, Mike will basically debrief you on what's going on out in Chile and their disgusting right wing regime. Um, And of course, Zuckerberg went up to Capitol Hill and <laughs> they gave that boy a wedgie <laughs> as he deserves. Man, but first, Mike, talk to the people about the next TMBS live in Philadelphia, man, the city of brotherly love.
2: Philadelphia, November 23rd at World Cafe. Get your tickets with special guests, Artesia, Balthrop, Crystal Ball, Emma Viglin. We just hit the four-week-out time, and we are two-thirds sold, Uh, and so – I would get it quickly because this one is almost definitely going to sell out. World Cafe, see you, November 23rd. That's the week before Thanksgiving.
6: All right, Mike. So, you know, I wanted you to set up this this Mike Zuckerberg. (laughs) Excuse me, Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg, um, Capitol Hill appearance, um, you know, a group of Congress critters. He had to go up there and basically sit in the hot seat. Uh, could you just talk to the people about what happened when, when when Zuckerberg went up there?
2: So basically, he was there, I think, primarily to talk about this new Libra um, cryptocurrency bullshit that he's trying to get off the ground. And, you know it was, it was definitely an opportunity for a bunch of different people to take shots at Facebook. I have a little bit of a jaundiced eye at this because I do think mostly in Congress, you know, people, we all know that the, you know, corporations own the U.S. government. Most of these people are completely subservient to the, you know, to corporate lobbying and special interests, whether it be pharmaceutical, Wall Street, arms, oil, or Silicon Valley. So there's a little bit of like, you know, okay, here's the one day of the year where we pretend we have a rain on these companies that actually own us, right? So there's always a little bit of the bullshit theater. But there were a couple of uh, exchanges. Actually, I think the one with AOC that we'll get to, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit eye-roll on. Uh, But there were several, uh, but I think it's worth talking about. There were several others. I mean, uh, Iana Presley hit him very shrewdly on... You know, this idea that Libra is going to solve a problem of underbanking and poverty, more of that tech delusion nonsense that there's magic technological fixes to what are economic problems. Uh, then there was also um, another congresswoman whose name I, escapes me at the moment. I mean, she hit Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, uh, the last time that he had to pretend he cared about civil rights. You know, to an authority figure like that. It really did seem as if she was one of his professors at Harvard and he was pretending to have done the reading. And then um, Congresswoman Katie Porter, who's really good at this. I mean, just the theater of it AOC, Ayanna Pressley, and Katie Porter are really good at making witnesses look bad. And, uh, and she got into a line of questioning, which I actually think is really important. But um, I guess before we get to all that, I mean, wise, you want to start out of the gate with um, this AOC exchange on basically Facebook's, you know, refusal, I guess, to fact check um, or engage with, you know, correcting fake news or whatever else you want to call it.
7: We run ads targeting Republicans in primaries saying that they voted for the Green New Deal.
4: Sorry, I, I, can you repeat that?
7: Would I be able to run advertisements on Facebook targeting Republicans in primary, saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair game? I, uh,
4: I don't know the answer to that out off the top of my head. I think. So you don't know maybe.
7: if I'll be able to do that? I think probably. Um, do you see a potential problem here with a complete lack of fact-checking on political advertisements?
4: Well, Congresswoman, I think lying is bad, and I think if you were to run an ad that had a lie, that would be bad. That's different from it being, uh, from it, from for, in our position, the right thing to do to prevent uh, your constituents or people in an election from seeing that you had lied. Um, so
7: we can, you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no.
4: Congresswoman... Uh, in, I'm not talking about
7: spin. I'm talking about actual in,
4: Yes, disinformation. In, most cases, in a democracy, okay. I believe that people should be able to see for themselves what politicians that they may or may not vote for so are you saying won't take to take for themselves. So you won't take them down. So you won't
7: take a flag that it's wrong, but you won't take it down.
4: Congresswoman, it's uh, it, it depends on the context that it shows up. Organic post ads. Okay. The, the treatment is...
6: And, you know, I found it interesting only in the sense that I... I sympathize with Zuckerberg's sort of stance, right? And the idea that, like, why should we stop politicians from hanging themselves? Except for the fact that they're not hanging themselves. You know, like, people... <laughs> Like you can't lie, you know, indiscriminately in public and nobody's going to actually call you on it because we're so, you know, balkanized and fractured in our politics. Now, everybody sort of takes their sides that let the facts be damned. Right. Um, But she was just basic. But but what I liked about what she's doing is just exposing the, the mindlessness of the Facebook experience, period. It's like people can go on there and post anything, say anything. You're not actually getting any actual news or facts. You're not enriching yourself intellectually. Um, any, any of that, like, cause these things don't even go through the most rudimentary checks or balances. They just go on unvarnished. Um, you know, Basically, as is. And, you know, she basically gave him a tongue lashing about, you know, how stupid it is that any like a politician, even a pop that somebody that's a politician, not just some, you know, regular user. Even if you want to say people like me and you to the extent that we're influential. Right, Mike. Um, it's not the same as AOC going on her Facebook platform and just completely sp- spreading pure lies, propaganda, hate speech. Um, It just has a different impact. And, you know, the most interesting thing to me, um, as it pertains to this, Mike, is that these tech guys, man, when they when they talk about themselves lacking any sort of self-awareness. Right. They want you to think that they're saving the world. Right. We're like these big ideas, like connecting humankind. They want you to think that they're the ones responsible for that and making that happen. They're the ones who are so genius. They could. Um, Execute these huge ideas But just the idea Of fact checking posts I I don't know if we could do that Congresswoman <laughs> It's like I don't know if we're equipped for that I don't know if we got the We got the juice I don't know if we have the manpower It's like You know On the one hand You want me to believe That you can execute these Big world-changing, civilization, trajectory-shifting um, ideas. <laughs> right, you guys right. can be entrusted with that, but just the idea of fact-checking and monitoring hate speech on your platform is completely beyond your grasp. Is, uh, that's why I love these grillings. I
2: really like the point that you made there. And I mean, that goes to the very lie and the, the fundamentals of the scam that all of these major tech platforms are, you know, particularly Facebook and Google are trying to pull off, which is you know, not acknowledging what they actually are. Right. Like these are media companies as one of several examples. Um, Now they want to be a bank, in fact. So there's all this reality and there's all this ambition. But then as soon as the heat gets on in terms of what your actual obligations are, whether it be to, uh, you know, journalism or public safety or whatever, or, you know, or combating white supremacy or whatever else. Then it ba- it goes back to, oh, whoa, 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 we're just a platform. So that was very effective in her exposing his bullshit and his two-step. And I thought specifically, you know, clearly – When he did actually say, oh, well, if somebody put out a, you know, said the fake, a fake date for going to vote, you know, yeah, we would have to fix that. Of course, if somebody put out an ad saying, you know, go make sure to vote on November 2nd or whatever, you know, or the day after the scheduled election, we would correct that. So that already kind of showed. I mean, that was very good at revealing the bullshit. However, what concerns me and and I think people really do need to think about this, is that to the extent that Facebook has already started to, you know, deal with, quote unquote, fake news or whatever else, let's be real. They're outsourcing it as an example to like right wing think tanks in, in Washington. And because it's You know, it's done by a corporation that has no interest and no concern about its obligations. I mean, including in incredibly serious things, right? I mean, Facebook and WhatsApp have been used to promote genocide in Burma, you know, help elect a fascist in Brazil. And, you know, the company doesn't give a fuck, right? I mean, let's be real. It's a truly, not to mention how it treats our data and everything else. I mean, this is an incredibly, uh, you know, profoundly dangerous and unethical company, right? So what they will do, but my point is, is that to the extent that they've done the kind of moves that she's pointing to, that has maybe to some extent lessened certain conspiracy theories. Although I think when you get into the realm of political advertising and the amount of money that, you know, Republican and corporate interest groups can put into things and they're saying they're not going to fact check it. Well, you know, not only they're not going to fact check it, that type of advertising is going to get prioritized in the algorithm because it's money. And to the extent and I guess my point is, though, is that to the extent it has done some of this, like, oh, no, we're not going to do fake news anymore. Well, that's getting spread across the board, that means that, you know, like, oh, well, you know, uh, it it could be sure some conspiracy theory about the moon landing, but it could also be a great piece of investigative journalism about, you know, the narco state that the United States backs in Honduras or, you know, or the role of, uh, you know, uh, civilian casualties in Afghanistan, right? Like, and it's already hit. Several independent news outlets in some pretty bad ways. So, you know, I just think that that to me, the discussion has to go into the direction of this company as they all need to do. You can go in one direction, which is that they're monopolistic and they need to be broken up. Or you could say, and this is what I would tend to say, is that they need to be nationalized. Certainly, Google needs to be turned into a public utility. Because I think as long as the conversation is, even if it is rightly humiliating them, as she did such a good job doing, it's still kind of getting like, you know, okay, so Zuckerberg might respond to that. And then there'll be a whole other set of problems because it's Facebook and they shouldn't be in control of anything. Right.
6: Um and again like the the problems are so huge with Facebook and you know um you know the other day the news came out that 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 uh Zuckerberg and his and his people are advising Mayor Pete on of course. who to hire of course <laughs> and you know that news came out Mike and I immediately thought of you because if you're just just utter disdain for Mayor Pete and his just gutlessness. Um, it's 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 only fitting, right? It's like no 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 we can we can we can fight this with Mayor Pete because if Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders are gonna come after us, then this means war and blah 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 blah. And then you realize that like Facebook has like forty two billion in the bank, and it's like. What more do you people need? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like this idea that Zuckerberg and his company is is dealing with some existential threat of what? Right. What? what? Like like what what more can you gain? Like I get it, it's capitalism. There can always be more, but what does that actually mean, you know, like tangibly?
2: You know what I'm saying? They don't want to be overs they don't want to have any oversight. They don't Mm -hmm. want any regulation. I mean, it's the same pattern. For all these companies, they want to be able to do whatever the fuck they want to do, regardless of the public cost, right? I mean, and I think that this is a good point to to yeah, definitely that. Obviously, if you want big picture change, there's you know the Bernie option, and I'm very skeptical of how Warren approaches these things. But it should really be noted that you know Pete Buttigieg is the avatar, right? Like he is everything wrong. From the perspective of Democratic Party politics, Silicon Valley, corporate interests, he is going to be the point person for these companies and institutions and people that want no change in accountability. That's gotten clearer and clearer. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is the worst person on the field, man. Definitely.
6: Yeah. You know, before we end end off on this topic, I do want to say, you know. The only nice thing about this is that, look, like I just mentioned, man, Zuckerberg's company is worth like 40 billion dollars. You know, the system has worked out incredibly for him. Everything has worked out great for him in his life, um, in all of his endeavors. Right. The least this man can do is show up to Capitol Hill and have to answer some hard ass questions. Like ultimately, he's not going to be stopped. You know, um, it, it, and but but the thing is, these things are on the public record, right? Like, at, like I, I guess a lot of people, um, you can take a take a cynical eye to this and be like, who cares? He's gonna get to do what he wants to do. I I'm a little bit different. I, like him having to actually speak words to this shit, to actually say out loud in front of a camera into a microphone. Yeah, you can lie on our platform. We don't give a fuck.
2: Like, right. I, I, mean, I think, there's, I, I also
6: I think just, there's a public service in
2: that. Yeah, you know, I think so, too. And I also just want to add that um, I think what Katie Porter brought up was also really important because
5: Facebook's known as a great place to work, free food, ping pong tables, great employee benefits. But Facebook doesn't use its employees for the hardest jobs in the company. You've got about 15,000 contractors watching murders, stabbings, suicides, other gruesome, disgusting videos for content moderation, correct?
4: Uh, Congresswoman, yes, I believe that that's correct.
5: You pay many of those workers under $30,000 a year, and you've cut them off from mental health care when they leave the company, even if they have PTSD because of their work for your company. Is that correct?
4: Um, Congresswoman, my understanding is we pay... Everyone, including the contractors associated with the company, at least a $15 minimum wage. And in, in markets and in cities where there's a high cost of living, that's a $20 minimum wage. We go out of our way. Thank to offer you. I, a I lot take your word at the wage. Health. Reclaiming my
5: time. Um, according to one report I have, and this is straight out of an episode of Black Mirror, these workers get nine nine minutes of supervised wellness time per day. That means nine minutes to cry in the stairwell while somebody watches them. Would you be willing to commit to spending one hour a day for the next year watching these videos and acting as a content monitor and only accessing, accessing the same benefits available to your workers?
4: Uh, Congresswoman, we, we work hard to make sure that we give good benefits to all the folks who are doing I would, this. Mr. Zuckerberg,
5: reclaiming my time, I would appreciate a yes or a no. Uh, would con- you be willing to act as a content monitor? to have that life experience?
4: I'm not sure that it would best serve our community for me to spend that much reclaiming time Reclaiming my here time. This. Mr. Zuckerberg, I, I, I spent reclaiming a lot of
5: time my time. Mr. Zuckerberg, are you saying you're not qualified to be a content monitor?
4: No, Congresswoman, that's not what I'm saying.
2: Okay,
5: Then you're saying you're not willing to do it.
2: All of the, and this also belies their bullshit, right? Because these tech, because ultimately like, look, as I say, the bigger picture, A company like Google needs to be made public utility, no question, um, you know, or or at the very least, although not as systemically broken up in terms of an anti-monopoly effort. But if these companies were serious about whether you're talking about Facebook or certainly YouTube, they would say, okay, we are functionally in the journalism business, and that actually means we need to hire human editors, human ombudsmen, whoever else to actually like – Filter and make decisions about content, and we, you know, and so on. I mean, there's tons of unemployed journalists uh, and researchers and fact checkers who could do that sort of work, right? And then they'll say, like, you know, and even um, amazingly, I mean, there's still some like stands out there, like normal people who actually defend the tech companies, which is always like one of the most embarrassing and silly things to see on the internet. But the point is, is that. When they need to put human beings on something, they actually do it. And what Katie Porter talked about was in Facebook's case, they have contract employees who they pay poverty wages, who sit in cubicles and watch videos of murders, of suicides, of every other type of human misery and atrocity imaginable. Because, And this is the same, by the way, this is the same at Google, this is the same across the board. Uh, to make sure that that content is not uploaded on the platform because that can create legal problems. These people, as Katie Porter, I think you know, I'm not sure. I'd be interested to hear. Actually, a friend whose wife did this job at Google, and it's a fucking horrible job. I, my understanding was was that she was, I think, you know, her. She seemed like that. that she was certainly treated better than what Katie uh, Porter described at Facebook, right? people making like maybe $31,000 a year uh, to literally sit and watch like snuff films for nine hours a day. They had what they called nine minutes of supervised mental health time. So in other words, as Katie Porter said, you can go in the stairwell and cry while someone watches you. Uh, And of course, Zuckerberg, you know, who's a total robot during all the hearings, she did it very well because – You know, she exposed this just absolutely disgusting treatment that his company does to these workers, and then she kind of gave him like, you know, basically like, "Hey, do you want to do? Maybe you should do an hour of this a week." And you know, he kind of—that's when you could tell the kind of bristle of like, you know, excuse me, fucking billionaire, you know, like the like the actual mindset that these fucking sociopaths like Zuckerberg have, and. I just think that's a really important, you know. Uh, behind all of these tech platforms, it's sort of like th- there's these different layers. Like at the top end, it's like, look, yeah, like these companies that, uh, in terms of jobs that are desirable, they produce very few jobs. Then the other part, whether you're talking about, you know, it's very different. But in some ways, everything from Instagram to Twitter to YouTube to Uber is sort of a similar model, which is that. The framework is based on millions of people providing, like, essentially free labor, uh, or, or at the very least, you know, harnessing it in a in a in a way that they don't get compensated for, or they get compensated for very little. And I think that you know, then there's also going to be whether you know, the sweatshops that manufacture the Apple products, or the people having to watch the suicides for Facebook. There are actually a lot of lower end jobs that these companies actually do create in the real world. And of course, like all the robber baron predator corporations, they treat people terribly. I mean, again, that's like, just the bottom it line. Would cost them anything to make these jobs real
6: jobs. It would cost them them. And, and like, you know, it's one of those things like a lot of times when I'm doing basketball analysis. I'll talk about like, well, the owner didn't want to pay, you know, $33 million at a luxury tax. And then I'll be like, you know what? It's not my money, whatever. This $33 million is a big deal even to somebody like that. This ain't that. (laughs) Like, This isn't that at all. It's like putting thousands of people to work like yes thank you you're putting thousands of people to work for something you know that your company should be should have to do mandatory right like it should be mandatory that your company does this you're just doing this because you have to save face now people got at you for the bullshit the way that you you know were operating and then you know you create all these jobs and then what you decide to do is make them as bare bones as possible it's just like it's just <laughs> it's the height of greed and it just gets to the core of cap capitalism
2: Definitely, that's it.
1: All right,
6: man. So, you know, uh, this is probably my favorite story this week, Mike. (laughs) it's yeah. for for like a myriad of reasons, you know, Saudi Arabia has and, and and I will say, like even in mainstream media, like even those pundits for years have been like, man, yo, our relationship with Saudi is like it's, it's on the line, right? like like what what we affiliate ourselves with when when it when it when it comes to calling Saudi one of our strongest American allies, like, Man, even in the mainstream for years, like even those people, the most out of touch people in the world will tell you like, man, it's kind of it's a kind of a touch and go situation over there with Saudi. And I will say, you know, and we talk about all the time on this show about Barry's foreign policy record and how bad it was, you know, for stuff like Yemen and Libya and all kinds of stuff, the drone program, all of that stuff. But one of my favorite things about Barry was like he was like. We don't actually need these cats. <laughs> we don't need the Saudis. We we, we we damn sure don't need to be dealing with Israel in this. But we don't need to be in the Middle East in the way that we have been. Like, we don't need this stress. It's not worth it anymore. None of it is. And that's how, why you saw the Iran um, peace deal come out. And you saw all these other things, and which is why also, you know, out in um, Washington, D.C., th- those lobbyists, those Saudi and Israeli lobbyists, they always talk shit about Barry. They'd be like, he's a squish on the Middle East. Right. He's a bitch. He's a pussy. He's he's scared. He's this. Because he's just like, these people aren't worth the grief. But, you know, of course the new Trump regime comes in and Kushner and and all of Trump's little lackeys, they love Saudi they love everything these people are about um they've cozied up to them they basically basically told them you can do whatever you want in the region but we're, we're behind it 100% you want to get aggressive with iran we're behind it 100% you know you want to do whatever the fuck you want to do in yemen which is by proxy them being aggressive with Iran, you know, we, we'll do it 100%. Um, and so, you know, they, they've kind of taken a new posture, but not everybody out in Washington has been quick to, you know, sort of give them the warm embrace again after the eight years of burying them being like, yo, we don't fuck with you. So, you know, this dude, Prince Turkey Al-Faisal, did I say that right? Al faisal
2: Mike? Faisal, yeah. I,
6: Faisal, uh, Al Faisal, Al Faisal. So. <laughs> Al Faisal, he went to a luncheon banquet out in DC where a bunch of lawmakers were at and he basically gave them a tongue lashing. Um I just want to drop some of these quotes in here. Uh and this is according to uh bloomberg.com. Uh Al Faisal said, "US lawmakers need to get off their high moralistic
0: horses." Mike <laughs> <laughs>
6: like, the fact that this guy he feels empowered and emboldened enough and there's some other money quotes but that's the first one that just made me laugh because it's you know the fact that this guy in in the bottom the bottom line is um our governments have had an intimate enough relationship with people like the saudi royal family that Those people know what we've done. They know where the bodies are buried better than probably anybody else abroad, right? So it just shows you why he feels so comfortable going in D.C. saying stuff like this to these people, to their faces, right? Another thing he mentioned, he was like, quote, you guys need to be doing your jobs and addressing issues of racial inequality, (laughs)
2: Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Saudis.
6: Hold on. He said, congressman, quote, should they ever visit Riyadh, they may learn something about universal health care, which the kingdom has provided for its citizens since its establishment. Or... They may get an insight into our improving and evolving educational system.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you <know>. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you know what?
6: Dude, dude, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, obviously me and Mike are making light of this situation. We know the ridiculous, you know, oppression that goes on in that, that country and um, from women to the little bit of non-Muslims who they allowed to actually um, stick around over there, you know, to what they and do to reporters. Not say
2: that great on, uh, on, on Africans. Uh, right. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, and I do want to just say real quick, it wasn't Obama still did, you know, Obama— back the Yemen war and it started under his watch and he did, you know, plenty for Israeli apartheid and for the Saudi monarchy. But I, I think that there, you know, it kind of reminds me, I mean, it's definitely obviously a lot more woke than Trump because he's talking about racial justice and healthcare. But there was that, that like, you know, like the three different positions, like people like me and you, we go, you know, the United States should not be, you know, backing coups across the globe and supporting dictators and death squads and, you know, like forcing, you know, predator capitalism everywhere and so on. Right. And we need to be honest about what U.S. foreign policy is or, or the prison industrial complex. And then we make changes. And then there's this kind of like liberal thing where it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you would say or do that. And it's like, yeah, but we haven't been saying and doing that. And that's that thing with Trump. Like, I remember there was this interview with Trump where, you know, they were bothering him about Russia and he's just like, Oh, what? you don't think we don't kill people. We're so innocent. (laughs) And it's like, The difference between him and us is we're saying like, yeah, we shouldn't do that. He's saying like we all do it. We all do it and it's great. Yeah, we all do it. Fuck it. But there still is something that's kind of, you know, it's like put away the fucking smelling salts. Like even with the Saudi's, like, yes. They took Khashoggi in a fucking embassy and cut cut his body apart. And because it yeah, like there's no doubt like and and of course it, I covered it It was a fucking international obscenity. But, you know, there's a lot of people he wrote for The Washington Post. They met him. You know, they knew him. So it was fucking shocking. The Saudis behead people in the street. <laughs> They're like, you know, they, 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 this is a very they are brutal. They're committing genocide in Yemen. So I think there's some kind of like. I feel, yeah, he's coming on the, on the end of like, and it is true that for people who are citizens, there's healthcare and so on. But I think he's also giving you like on the back end, like, all right, everybody calm the fuck down. Like you knew what it was like, shut up.
6: Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and, it's, and, 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 and again, a part of it is just like, stop it. Like stop it. Since when did you guys, since when? Show me the history of you guys caring about any of this shit. You know, Um, so we kill one measly reporter. I mean, come on, guys. The guy had it coming. You know, it's <laughs> basically what he's saying, man. And, you know, a lot of this, because the China NBA thing is so fresh on my mind, that th- a lot of this echoes that where I can see China being like, wait a second, you guys are like obsessed with democracy. You think I don't know about voter suppression in your country? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you guys are like, oh, we we love the Muslims. It's just like, OK, um, you guys back Israel. Like, what are you talking about? You understand what I'm saying? Like it, a part of me is like when you when those capitalists do go to China and they're like, man, you know, how do we how do we um, defend this shit back home? And they're like, are you kidding me? How do they defend the shit back home? The same way. Ignore it. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You know, so it's just seeing this, seeing this um, Bloomberg article just made me chuckle, man. It's just the standing that America has abroad. It's just day by day, year by year, just gets worse and worse when, you know, even the Saudis feel like they can test us on the moral high ground. We can't even pay lip service to it anymore.
2: You know, you really should come to Riyadh. See how shit's
6: done. <laughs> <laughs> watch women not be allowed to drive cars. You should really come to Riyadh for that. But
2: well, that's um, like what that's like real quick though, like a, just a real quick serious point. Like like under MBS there has been these loosenings of things like women driving, but they've also put the woman who the, the women activist who led that effort in jail, because the point is, is like, we can loosen it up, but it's a gift from the prince. It's not a product of your activism. So in right. some ways, they're even more brutal than they were before, even as they, they basically are going to make themselves a little bit more like the Emirates, you know what I mean? Like, Maybe we don't have to fly elsewhere to drink and party a little bit. Right. And you can't right. deny and, like that. And,
6: and if yeah. you come visit our country, you don't have to prove to us that you're related in order to stay in the same hotel room. Right. That's a rule that actually exists out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I mean, that, that, that's a lot of places.
6: I mean, can um, you imagine going to a hotel and not being allowed to fornicate <laughs> <laughs> the horror?
8: <laughs> Tough deal. Before we switch off Saudi, I do want to, like, and I know Waz is going to look at me like, Rob, shit up about your wrestling. But they're having a huge show in Saudi Arabia in a week or so. And they're paying Tyson Fury $15 million to appear at this event. And they're also paying Cain Velasquez about $10 million to appear at this wrestling event that they're putting on. The WWE has this big 10-year, 10 billion, $10 billion deal or something like that, where they're doing shows every couple months. And I guess in Saudi Arabia right now, it's this time of the year where they celebrate sport, athletes, stuff like that. And they had this huge parade. And all you see in this parade is like huge, like big, it almost looks like they're made out of butter, as somebody put it. But there's huge figurines of Roman Reigns and The Undertaker. And like they have The Undertaker there. They paid him $5 million to stand there with his hands open to be a part of this parade. This Saudi Arabia thing is crazy. I'm just saying, like, part of me is like, it's – I got to
2: talk like Trump for that though. It's like, uh, have you heard they're paying The Undertaker millions of dollars. It's tremendous. (laughs) I saw there's this clip and it's – you know, this is fucking evil. It's literally Trump sitting with MBS in the White House at a press conference and they're – Trump is showing a chart of the weapons that they're selling to Saudi. And again, it's, you know, it's just more naked under Trump, but we've always sold Saudi weapons, whatever. But it just so happens now they're with our active participation every day committing a genocide in Yemen. But um, at one point, Trump's just like, yeah, and that's going to be a billion dollars, blah, 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 like, you know, bragging about the deals. And he's just like, that's nothing to you. And he, like, smiles at the prince.
3: Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing. That's,
6: all, all, the only thing he respects is money and power, Trump. Yep. Like, that's all he cares about. He's just, like, he's looking at this dude like, God, that guy is just made of money. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a snack.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
6: That's nothing to you. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can do that in a snap that's of a finger. That's nothing
1: to
2: you. I know. Uh, one time Cindy Crawford was at the Four Seasons. She's a seven in person. Anyways. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, the Four it, Seasons actually is very bad hand towels. Very bad. They all told me that. Terrible robes, too. Terrible robes. And everybody says the Waldorf wall story is so great. Meanwhile, no one wants to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: so switching gears here on a more serious note Mike um there's a situation developing out in um Chile could you could you share with us what's happening over
2: there yeah I would just say real quick and I uh, you know there I would look up there I've I've covered it a bit the real news has covered it um uh you know I I I think there's a lot of movements in the world today actually from Chile to Lebanon to what you've seen in Sudan uh, to Iraq, actually, and definitely Haiti and definitely Ecuador, Um, that really are about austerity, they're about neoliberalism. What set off Chile specifically was the Piñera government tried to institute a a fee hike on the subways. The first thing when they got the first pushback was they basically said, if you're low income, you should just ride the subway at non-peak hours. And, uh, and it got lit from there. Um, my my understanding, and I'm, you know, as I say, I'm looking into it more, but the other kind of interesting thing about Chile is that when the Pinochet dictatorship ended and it transitions into democracy, part of that transition, though, kept a lot of the old business interests in place. So you have, even though Chile's like a re- relatively developed country, you have you know, even more extreme, you know, wealth inequality than some other countries in a a place that has a huge amount of wealth inequality. So, and then, you know, people are out, there's an incredible movement and activists, but, you know, there's real politics there and the military has been on the street and martial law and things like that in certain cities have come out, uh, you know, in a way that people have not seen since the Pinochet dictatorship.
6: Yeah, man, we always like to highlight this this sort of populist uprising, man, whenever we can. Um, if anybody who's listening out there um, knows anybody in Chile has any way to help, um, please reach out to us. We'd love to be able to spread the word, spread the message for those people on the ground. Um, I don't happen to know many Chilean people. Um, I wish I did. I love their food. Yes, that's me being greedy, Rob. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, if, uh, anybody, if you can share some information again, ways to help the people out there on the ground, um, support what they're doing, please do, don't hesitate to reach out with us. This is the type of shit we'd like to highlight on this show, quite frankly. So, um, you know, we just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, and, and And last but not least... Um, Rob, could you you tee up this Mike Pence stuff for me? Because you were the one that brought it to my attention.
3: And far too many American multinational corporations have kowtowed to the lure of China's money and markets by muzzling not only criticism of the Chinese Communist Party, but even affirmative expressions of American values. Nike promotes itself as a so-called social justice champion. But when it comes to Hong Kong, it prefers checking its social conscience at the door. Nike stores in China actually removed their Houston Rockets merchandise from their shelves to join the Chinese government in protest against the Rockets general manager's seven-word tweet, which read, Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. And some of the NBA's biggest players and owners who routinely exercise their freedom to criticize this country lose their voices when it comes to the freedom and rights of the people of China. Inciting with the Chinese Communist Party and silencing free speech, the NBA is acting like a wholly owned subsidiary of that authoritarian regime. A progressive corporate culture that willfully ignores the abuse of human rights is not progressive. It is repressive. I got to say
7: he's
6: right 100 percent. But fuck you, Mike Pence. (laughs) Since When do you care about any of this stuff and not even just in China here in America? You don't even care about it in America, in Indiana. Like, you know, Indiana is one of those places that was trying to shove the voter ID laws down people's throats. You know, um, it's it's hilarious. Um, But again, you know, uh, 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 what he said is not without merit. You know, uh, Nike, Apple, the NBA, everybody who's decided that making money in China is something that they want to do and that they like to do uh, is fantastic. But what I will say, you know, I, I hate to come off like I'm always defending the athletes, blah, 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 blah. I just want people to understand that. There's a difference between LeBron and James Harden and Russell Westbrook wanting to sell shoes to Chinese people, wanting to sell a terrible Space Jam movie to Chinese people, and Apple exporting an entire industry, jobs, well-paying careers to a different country so that people can work in sweatshops so that they can make more money off of those products. Right. Nike, the same thing. There's just a, there's just a huge, morally, there's just a huge difference there. Am, am I like missing something there, Mike?
2: No, no, you got to always look at, well, I mean, this is my critique though, again, of like so many different things in terms of, you know, Woke culture, whatever. Look at the institution, don't look at the people. I mean, not to say you can't make, you know, no when people make For mistakes. Sure, and, I and thought, should
6: be, we should be critiquing LeBron. Is this is something. Yeah, dude, I he, thought LeBron. Yeah, this should LeBron. be in his calculation of things. Is like, damn, I'm taking a hit morally and in the public about this. He should be thinking about this as far yeah, as a calculation. Be, but, it's a, but, it's,
2: but ultimately, it's a question of of capitalism. And I think you're. I think the problem is, is like, no one could be more dishonest. Anti-human rights and just generally full of shit and disgusting than Mike Pence. And, you know, this is why it's it's you can't look. I like the NBA and it's great when people inside the NBA use the the position, you know, to forward important issues. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's look the Black Lives theme LeBron ad. That's great. And if it inspires a young person to, you know, affirm something or read something or take an action, that's great. But as I tweeted at the time, I was like, you know, are they going to show this in one of their sweatshops? And as long as, you know, that is the dynamic at the end of the day, it's just, you know, that is the part where it's all capitalism and there's just different sides of how you're marketing it. And then, you know, ghoul motherfuckers like Mike Pence are going to be able to point out hypocrisy and we could, you know, you know, we're never going to give him credit for anything because fuck him. But it's, you know, he's not wrong.
6: Yeah, he's not. He's not wrong. And like, honestly, that statement that he drafted Yo, bro That could have came Straight out of AOC's office Real talk <laughs> You know what I'm saying Like, that's the brand Right there Like, wow Okay, buddy Okay <laughs> Okay <laughs> Yo yeah, Nothing progressive It was crazy son. <laughs>
2: Where's the progressive shit That you support You fucking
6: Like, oh God Alright, moving on To the crates, man We digging into crates This week You know, this is our Weekly segment Where we recommend Something in culture Whether it be literary TV, music music Music, a movie, you know, uh, an article, uh, you know, this week, Mike, I wanted to recommend a show on Netflix that Netflix, I guess, just recently purchased or it's recently been made aware. uh, I've been made aware of it in my algorithm Mm -hmm. um, called Forensic Files. Mm. Uh, It's an old ass show way back in the days. Um, Basically, I think what, what was it on? I think it was on A&E or Court TV. Sorry, I didn't do my research. Anyway, s- streaming all of this um, collections now on Netflix. It's basically the original true crime, like all of that CSI stuff that we love. All of the even stuff to like making a murderer. All of that stuff um, can find its origins in a show like Forensic Files, which started about 20 years ago. And Netflix has the whole collection. I started watching them now before I go to sleep, which I know makes me a sick, sick
2: human being. I don't see, really. but- <laughs> That's not nice.
3: <laughs>
6: but um, but yeah, man, check out Forensic Files if you're into true crime and you never ch- checked it out ever um before. The, the 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 narrator of this show is just classic and legendary. Uh, check it out.
2: Dope. Um, I want to recommend. I have to. I have to recommend this book by Adolf Reed Jr. I just interviewed him for TMBS. The interview is only available for patrons now, but we'll put it out for everybody in a couple of weeks. Adolf Reed Jr. is one of the most <laughs> important political theorist i would say in america he's you know and he and he has deep history personally and academically in the left tradition in uh black radicalism which he had was a pioneer in and actually has a very strong and interesting critique of he's one of these guys like he's actually i gotta say as a person he's one of the i mean first of all, he's one of the, he's just fucking smart as hell, whatever, you know, agree or disagree on a personal level. The man honestly could not be nicer, A very down to earth person. And, you know, you could see it wasn't just that he was an Ivy league professor. You could also definitely see the part of him that was clearly a labor organizer and, you know, very much like, you know, of, of like, of the people, basically. I'll use that word. In addition to being a world-class intellectual, uh, he wrote this book in 2001, actually. But it, I don't know. It just it, So much of it kind of depressingly holds up. In some ways, it might even be more true today. It's called Class Notes, Posing as Politics and Other Thoughts on the American Scene. And Adolf Reed Jr., I mean, he's a fascinating guy. I recommend it. And great writing. It's very, it's not an academic, I mean, it is an academic book in the sense that there's a lot of, you know, material, there's a lot of concepts that are demanding, but he's a really good writer, it's not academic writing, and he's definitely not afraid to take shots, so, <laughs> class, it's notes. Yeah. class notes. Fantastic, class notes.
6: Uh, check that out. All right, man, of course, make sure you guys get your tickets to the Philadelphia live show. Make sure if you're not already, please become a patron of both Count the Dings and the TMBS show. Uh, we really appreciate all of the contributions of our patrons, man. We wouldn't be able to put this content on without you guys. So we want to se- spe- send a special blessing and thank you. Shout out to the patrons. Um, of course, subscribe. Of course, as always, be sharing this. Be telling your friends to listen to Woke Bros. Be, be, you know, what I mean, like, get a Woke Bros. tattoo, man. Please be promoting the show. We appreciate everybody who subscribes, listens, shares. Um, we will see you guys next week. For Michael Brooks, I'm Big Waz. Later.